Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. Kevin, look at this hair. Oh, it's beautiful. Has it not been revolutionized? It has. It has because of the way that I'm coloring my hair with gorgeous salon quality hair color delivered right to our door on my schedule. You listeners can join the hundreds of thousands of women like me who have tried and who love Madison Reed. Let me Visit- touch it. <laughs> Go ahead, touch it. Visit madison-reed.com and get 10% off plus free shipping on your first color kit with the promo code CRIME. That's madison-reed.com. Use promo code CRIME. Don't make it weird. Hey, Kevin. Yes, Rebecca. It's a good time to remind our listeners to sign up for Stitcher Premium, eh? Yes, Stitcher Premium is the service where you can get hundreds of your favorite podcasts and exclusive content like bonus episodes of WTF with Mark Maron, Comedy Bang Bang, and many others. And our other shows, these are their stories, and HGTV and me, a week early without ads, plus our exclusive podcast that's only available on Stitcher Premium called Married. Married with Podcast. <laughs> with Podcast. Go to stitcherpremium.com slash crime and use the code crime at checkout. Get a free month. Check it out. You will love it. That's stitcherpremium.com slash crime. crime. And use the code crime. At checkout. I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and this is Crime Writers On, the podcast about other podcasts and also about true crime, pop culture, journalism. And this week, we are back from our holiday break. What were we watching and listening to while we were away? Probably the same stuff you were. Then we'll dig into a podcast looking to expose the story behind a Kentucky political demagogue and the tragic result that coincided with that podcast's release. Joining me to dive into all that is my true crime co-author, real-life husband, champion hair of the dog drinker, and host... Of these are their stories, the Law and Order podcast, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. You talk about hair of the dog like on New Year's Day, I'm the one who needed it. <laughs> but we both know. We both know. Who really needed the hair of the dog. Um, let's just say I woke up on the couch with a bowl in my lap. It was definitely me. <laughs> also with us is journalist, true crime author, licensed private investigator, former defense investigator, and frozen pipe winter warrior, Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura. Hello, I'll save it for the podcast because boy, <laughs> the pipe story has only gotten better today. Also with us finally is the man so skeptical he probably doesn't even believe in frozen pipes, the author behind the City Trilogy and co-host of the Radio Free Dystopia podcast, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Hey, I believe in frozen pipes so much that last night I went out and bought a um, portable generator. Ooh. Oh, Jealous. Welcome to New Hampshire. We're actually (laughs) waiting for our generator. We had a like quote for a generator like months ago and like or we had somebody come out to give us a quote. They never delivered the quote. 
So now we actually have all the wiring ready to go, but no actual generator. We are we're screwed. We're totally screwed, right, Kevin? Uh, yeah. What is this uh, winter storm, Grayson? Yes. You have to name all the storms now. Yes, Laura. What are your feelings about the upcoming winter storm known as Grayson? Of course, by the time this podcast comes out, <laughs> people might just think it's ridiculous that we're even complaining about this shit. But Laura, what do you think of Grayson coming our way? Well, I have to say, y'all haven't heard me um, swear in a while, so I, I fuck this. I mean, we've had like <laughs> frigid cold temperatures for the en- entire week of vacation, culminating today with I'm I'm I haven't been able to get my uh, washer going. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I tried to get it going today. And then I was doing a phone interview. And all of a sudden, I heard this sound like rushing, gushing water. Like, oh, And I was like, no. oh, shit. <laughs> and I'm on the phone with this guy who's like the finalist to be our next superintendent for the schools. I go running in the other room. I go, oh, shit, my husband's going to kill me. <laughs> and I'm like, I got to go. There was water coming through the ceiling, uh-huh. water everywhere. So in the, in addition to that, we're almost out of oil, and the oil people won't deliver right now because they're so backed up. Like, so they're not delivering till Saturday. So I'm afraid that, yeah. So Fireman Ken has been pouring diesel fuel into our oil tank. Oh, nice. Keep us going. Yeah. It's been a fun week Is here that a thing you Shea. can do? But these, these Is that a firefighter-approved yeah, method? He, well, he would know. you know what? I was concerned about this, and I didn't really believe him. But then I was listening to NHPR this afternoon, and I heard uh, Perry Plummer. <laughs> Yeah. Um, who used to be the fire chief in Dover, who's now like, I don't know, head of something for the state. And he said, actually, that's a good way to get by. So I said, OK, good. We're not going to blow up. That's a good thing. Wow. So, yeah. You wouldn't want your yeah. husband, the fire chief, to really <laughs> fuck that up really badly. <laughs> well, I was skeptical because I was like, what are you doing out there? He's like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. And I'm like, really? Because it, it looks a little sketchy. Laura, didn't you also try to go on vacation to your like little vacation condo and the pipes there were frozen? So you had to abort that trip? too no we got that going um we put some space heaters around like down <laughs> mm. where the connections came mm, in <laughs> yeah wow and we had water there it was a fun time <laughs> and i got sick this week oh well the only so far i mean knock on closet door wood um we i'm sure we're gonna lose power or something because we couldn't get that stupid generator but uh the other thing that happened to us this week because of all of the arctic cold temperatures and for our listeners who live in warmer parts of the country it has literally been like we wake up in the morning and not the wind chill but the air temperature where we live has been like 15 below 20 below it's like mm-hmm. Antarctica. it's like it's like really 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 cold it's like i went outside the other morning with my contacts in and my contact lens froze to my Ooh. eye <laughs> <laughs> I had wow. to come home and like peel it off. It was terrible. Anyway, we had a um, uh, we have like an exterminating service because of the occasional dead mouse smell we'd get down here in Studio C as well as in other parts of our house. And they happened to come last week and like rebate all the traps. And of course, the minute it gets gonna cold, get cold. Yeah. <laughs> the minute it gets cold, like all those poor mice run inside for shelter. And so our house now smells like a lot of dead mice. It smells like a morgue. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it smells like a mouse morgue. It's terrible. Every yeah. door you open, you are just with a wave of dead mouse smells. Country living. Mm. It's country it living. Yes, yeah. Felix the cat got his first mouse this week. It smells like Ed house. Kemper's backyard. <laughs> ah, it smells like John Wayne Gacy's basement. Yeah. Oh, what about you, Toby? How are you faring? The storm. Is it, it's going to be an ice tornado? Is what I hear. <laughs> ice tornado. Yeah. It's bombastic. Or something. So yeah, I went and I dropped like a grand on a generator. You know, I got that set up this evening before uh, podcasting. Yep. And school's already been canceled, waiting to hear about the university. So, yeah, I'm ready for it. So if we're not here next week, guys, it's because we all died. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hey, if our listeners can hear this and they know we were somehow able to cobble up 
enough power or battery power to to get it out to edit it yeah to eventually get this <laughs> here's the whole thing is the that, like it takes me what like five six seven hours to edit the show sometimes and then also uploading that's all because it. of toby well also it's also uploading i'll try it. to make fewer mistakes <laughs> it's also uploading it and on the time that that takes and like yeah. you, you need a really there's, good there's a lot connection. of tech work that goes into this. yeah it's yeah, not yeah. just yet so if this comes out on like tuesday sorry guys <laughs> now you know why <laughs> whatever day you downloaded this that explains Exactly how bad it was. That's right. That's right. You never know. It could be just fine. It could be just. It could just oh, be a Toby's house. They just house. curtailed operations, Toby. Oh, at UNH. Due to nice. weather conditions, the University of New Hampshire will be curtailing operations. I'd hate for there to be no learning going on at UNH. <laughs> <laughs> Only priority personnel should report. Is that you, Toby? Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say this? My at my at where I work, my parking lot. They have a giant. Snow pile right on my space. Mm, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just yeah, you know, with every yeah, with do, everything do, do else. Do you guys ever watch The Office, Laura and Toby? Yes. No. You remember Toby at The Office, like that mm. beleaguered like Toby HR Flunderson? guy, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. Who what, who wanted to have a true crime podcast? Yes, that might be on our podcast. You might be the Toby of our podcast, Toby. But at his job, Kevin is the Toby of his job, yeah. <laughs> like hands down. So you have a giant snow pile in your parking yeah I'm parking space? in visitor parking right now. <laughs> Jesus, it's lovely. You yeah. know, a few years ago we had was it two years ago when we had so much snow. There was this huge pile of snow at one of the UNH parking lots. Mm-hmm. It's actually the one I park in. And I don't know if this is true or not, but they said that some kids had hollowed out part of it and had like sort of carved out benches and stuff and had a party <laughs> inside this snowdrift. Wow. <laughs> I can see that happening. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, yes. Uh, yeah. Laura, is that the kind of thing you would have done when you went to school at UNH? Um, it actually was something I might have done at UNH, including stealing the uh, trays from the dining hall and uh, thankfully not getting splinters in my butt from, you know, splintering dining hall trays. Wow. <laughs> New Hampshire life, guys. Little little slice of New Hampshire life. And yes, Kevin and I do sleep with twin water bottles at night under our comforters. It's really comforting <laughs> to know that the uh, the second largest city where our listeners come from is Los Angeles. That's right. Screw you guys. Yeah. And <laughs> your quote unquote fires. And your quote unquote earthquakes. Yeah. Earthquakes. I mean, we we you guys could fall into the ocean at any minute. Yeah. This is us bitching. Exactly. It's cold. No. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We we definitely don't have it as bad as the poor fire victims. So yeah. we should mm-hmm. you know you should feel grateful for that. Even though we might all be dead tomorrow. Okay. So one quick (laughs) listener note. Uh, Next week, we're going to, one of the things we're going to be talking about next week is the series Wormwood on Netflix. But we would also love to hear what you would like to hear us review. So please send us an email at crimewriterson at gmail.com and let us know. Is there a podcast, a miniseries, a TV show, or other media item you'd like to hear us talk about relating to true crime, fictional crime, or some other thing close to that wheelhouse? You know, we're a little bit here at Crime Writers On. So if there's something that you want to hear us to review that you think is just spectacular or is so bad you just want to hear us talk about it, send me a note at crimewriterson at gmail.com. So on that note, we haven't talked for a couple weeks, guys, and uh, I know we've all been consuming a lot of media because we all always do. And I'd love to just do a quick uh, round robin and hear from you guys what is the best thing that you listened to or watched or read or perhaps went out and saw during this couple weeks of holiday break. Laura Bricker, I'm going to start with you. What's the best thing that you listened to, watched, read, or saw? 
Well, I'm going to go back to something that we have talked about before, because um, as you guys know, I think I've talked about Firefighter Ken usually bitches and complains about all the British shows that I watch. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And then over Christmas break, I was watching The Crown and he's like, huh. That show's not too bad. <laughs> so we rewatched The Crown from the beginning and got everybody on board. And then I became so obsessed um, after watching it. I started watching any BBC documentary I could find about the you know recent history of the monarchy. And then I really went off the rails and watched this show, a documentary about the Harrow School in London, which is a private school very upscale, kind of like their version of Phillips Exeter, where where I live, um, where they have to wear these ridiculous straw hats all the time. Hmm. Um, so now I know more about England, should I decide to make a move, than I ever needed to know. But hmm. um, I would like to say it was momentous that I got Firefighter Ken on board with something I was watching. <laughs> That's great. I'll tell you something. And Uncle Wall. You yeah, know? Laura, you know, I was so into The Crown that I went to go see that Winston Churchill movie with Kevin. <laughs> you wanted to see okay. Darkest Hour? If you like The Crown, yeah. you might like that movie as well. It was pretty good. God damn it, the two of you both took my thing. Well, do you want to just go ahead and pile on to what no, I was saying? No, just go right to Toby. Doesn't Toby, matter now. what did you listen to, watch, read, or go see during the holiday break that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? I binge-watched The Crown, which is <laughs> about <laughs> Queen Elizabeth. You did you really watch it? Uh, I'll tell you what. I, he thought so I was. <laughs> I watched, like, I feel like I watched every other episode I feel like for like four episodes <laughs> mm-hmm. because my wife is watching it and then every once in a while like I'd be around while she was watching it and I liked it but it's also super long I don't yeah. know and there's a lot of sports on television <laughs> so it's the best thing I watched is probably the Washington Wizards beating the Boston Celtics okay um, and I'm reading a book called The Templars mm-hmm. which is a history nonfiction book about the knights templar in the middle ages mm-hmm. it's pretty good it's it's interesting i don't know if i'd recommend it to everybody but if you're into the <laughs> mid- medieval dork. history <laughs> well it's kind of it's yeah if you're a dork uh it's and you're really interested in non-state actors uh throughout history mm. um it's, it'll probably be right up your alley mm. yeah probably not up mine thanks weren't they featured in one of dan yeah. brown's novels yeah I feel yeah like so they were yeah there there's there's like a lot of conspiracy theory stuff about them um and that's not what this book is about you know they ended up i'm not gonna get way into it but they ended up having a ton of money and a lot of people including you know royal families owed them money so i think that kind of led to hmm. you know bad feelings and rumors huh I thought they were the Illuminati based on the inaccurate history I've learned only from Dan Brown. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't, yeah. Kids, don't learn history from Dan Brown books because it's all bullshit. Uh, Kevin Flynn, um, do you have something else besides The Crown that you'd like to recommend to our listeners they check out? I actually, I I saw uh, The Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. And although, uh, you know, I'm a big fan, it was good, but it wasn't great. Mm -hmm. I had some problems with... um, The busyness of it? No, just kind of, well, I, I mean, for those who haven't seen it, I don't want to spoil anything, but, uh, you know, it just was like, they were literally going in a straight line. Mm. And, you know, plot-wise, spaceship-wise. <laughs> it was know, an it was homage like, that it way. Yeah, it, you know, it, it was more like Battlestar Galactica. It was an like, homage to, I think, the reboot yeah, that of Battlestar one episode. Galactica, yeah. But, um, I don't know, I thought it could have been better, but uh, there were things I liked about it. How did you feel, uh, Kevin, about the Luke Skywalker reboot? The reboot? A lot of people are upset, including oh. Luke Skywalker oh. did not like 
the way he was How portrayed. How he was portrayed? Yeah, it was. It was. It was okay. You know, Luke Skywalker had always been very earnest, right? You know, and just like oh, I have to get these converters to Tashi Station, whatever it was, he was always very. To see him be curmudgeonly was weird, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's you know, but um, they're going to call it the Last Jedi, so he's kind of like, you know, peace out, motherfuckers. <laughs> Well, we watched something last night that I want to recommend to our listeners, and I I know we are not like new to this game. This is like very late to this game. We haven't watched as much of it as I think other people have. But the first episode of season four of Black Mirror, which is um, an anthology show on Netflix for <laughs> the four of you out there who haven't heard of it, it's an anthology show on Netflix similar to like the Twilight Zone, except it's all about uh, technology and the you know fun like fantastical, sometimes scary, sometimes creepy, sometimes cool stories about consequences of technology. Social media. Yeah. The, the internet first age, episode yeah. of season four was brilliant. It was so good. And because each of these is a standalone episode, you can just dip in and mm. watch any episodes you want of um of Black Mirror. There was an episode called San Junipero, which I believe won an Emmy last year. It was a standalone episode from last season, which people really, really loved. Um, but anyway, this first episode, uh, it is a an homage uh, to Star Trek, but it was really a commentary on um, Silicon Valley uh, workplace uh, stuff <laughs> and also sexism and like a lot of really interesting other themes, uh, misogyny. And it's just great. It's fun. It's funny. It's got great, great casting. That actor who looks just like Matt Damon, but isn't, who was in um, all Breaking of the- Bad. Breaking Bad. I don't remember his he was name. In Fargo. Yeah. He was in Friday Night Yard- Lights, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Yard sale <laughs> Matt Damon. Is yes. Yes. That. He's in it. Uh, the mother from How I Met Your Mother is in it. And then a lot of actual other well known people are also in it. But let's just mm-hmm. name the people we can't actually name. Yeah. Anyway, check Black out the first. Guy- from uh, from House of Cards. House of Car- yes. No, from Westwood. He was also in Westwood. Also and he was in, in House, House, House of, of Cards. Cards. Yeah. Yeah. This is about as good as we can get. It's like we don't know any of their names, but no. that's how we describe. It's a bunch them. of hey, it's that guys. The black hat guy, the mother from <laughs> How I Met Your Mother, and the guy who looks like Matt Damon <laughs> but isn't. But isn't. <laughs> Way to go, IMDb. A lot of great casting in this episode. (laughs) Anyway, check out the season's premiere of Black Mirror. It is just fantastic. Did you enjoy that, Kevin? It was good. I loved it, yeah. Yeah, it was super duper good. Okay, moving on. We have some listener email to address. We haven't done this in a while. Kevin, do you want to read, um, I don't know, you could call it either love mail or hate mail, whatever you like. Read one of those things. Love hate mail. All right, so our first email that we got was from a listener named Alexander. He wrote a long email about our commentary about the Netflix series Godless. He disagreed with a lot of our points of view, particularly on gender, race, and some of the casting. I think he disagreed with like all of our points of view then. But he also brought up another interesting point worth discussing on the importance of fathers. Quote, how the absence of a father can stunt a boy's growth and the presence of a good father allows a boy to flourish. Both seen in the case of Trucky and how bad fathers can have corrupting influences in the case of Frank and his gang. The town needed men, but they needed the right kind of men. The Quicksilver security men were scoundrels. Roy was who they needed in that moment to protect them. He also talked about the importance of male characters in a story designed around an all-female town. Question. Um, Toby... I feel like I'm being set up asking you this question. By the way, full disclosure, Kevin wrote this question for me to ask. Do you think there is an importance to portraying male characters in a story designed around an all-female town? What do you think about Alexander's points? Let me think for just a second. (laughs) 
I, I wouldn't characterize it quite the way he characterizes it. Like, I don't feel like the point of the final shootout was that they needed men to protect them. As a matter of fact, it seemed to be kind of the opposite. So I, you know, the father thing, there's a point as far as like the fiction goes. Again, it was another thing that maybe they could have played up a little bit more, but there just weren't that many kids in that town. Mm. You know, it was basically whitey. Yep. Um, but there's no other like young men who, who seem to be struggling without their fathers. And for those who haven't watched, the kid's name literally was Whitey. I just don't want people. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not like, away. <laughs> Whitey over there. Um, and then, uh, and then like Trucky. Yeah. Why do they have these strange names for these kids? Uh, like he gets a sort of a, a brief surrogate father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if that was sort of a conscious theme, and if it mm-hmm. was, they didn't do a whole lot with it like a lot of other themes yeah <laughs> what do you think kevin uh, yeah i actually liked alexander's point on this which is why I-, I brought it up we were we were we were looking so much in our criticism and appreciation of the show on the female themes mm. which are obviously you know the predominant ones that it, we over- no they're not they're not obviously they were they're marketed that way but they were not the predominant ones oh, yeah i'll so give no. you that i'll give no. you that that right if, if we never saw any of the marketing we might we might have approached it everybody might have approached it a little differently However, this idea about the influence of fathers, it's a smaller thing, but I I do like how he laid it out. That's right. Each of these male characters had a father figure, and one did them wrong and one did them right. And so uh, especially we have a lot of you know strong female characters, and there's an awful lot to look at and talk about, pick apart in that. Some of it we liked, some of it we didn't. I I think this was you know an excellent uh, piece of criticism that was overlooked, and you know, even though Alexander didn't agree with us on a lot of the other stuff, I, I I liked what he had to say about that. I love Alexander. I love that he listens to our podcast, and I love that he took the time to write an email about our criticism. I respectfully disagree with everything he said in this email. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, think- I I still liked Godless, and and I'm going to say the next thing that I want Toby to watch is Lonesome Dove. <laughs> Because I know how much Toby loves westerns. Yes. And then we'll watch the Thornbirds. No, I think Toby <laughs> likes good westerns. I think Toby just doesn't like westerns that don't do anything new is what I'm hearing. It was what I heard last time we yeah. talked about Godless. Right, Toby? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely, like, there are westerns that I like. It just wasn't that one. Yeah, no, I, and I think that Alexander, I mean, his point is valid through his gaze, mm-hmm. but that is a distinctly male gaze. The importance of fathers. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Context. This was one paragraph in a no, very I know. No, long I know. email. But the importance so of... So Alexander didn't come I in know. with that. Okay, I did you know, read the long you, email. We've got to cut the guy I respectfully here. disagree. I respectfully. I think the importance... You disagree with this? I think the importance of do fathers... you disagree with this? I do. Oh, okay. I think the importance of fathers is an overdone, overblown tone-deaf theme to put on television in 2018 when there are so many other opportunities to tell stories that are about marginalized people, especially in this time in history in America, like women. (laughs) I don't think that makes it good. I don't think it makes it better. I think it actually speaks to why I don't like it. But Alexander, I like you. I do. I promise. I like you a lot. But Rebecca has to have the last word. But you have a male gaze. All right. So, Laura, uh, Wade, our listener Wade, had a new idea for a Crime Writers On t-shirt. Of course, you can check out our swag shop at Threadless by visiting our website, crimewriterson.com, because we put out a call for t-shirt ideas. His idea was to have a shirt uh, front with large, bold font, says, fuck, and under it, (laughs) slash, Laura Bricker, as if you were a quote (laughs) from you. What do you think, Laura? 
I think that's pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> and um, I would like to wear it during the snow apocalypse tornado, whatever is coming our way. The bombogenesis. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I would like to have the fuck t-shirt. There could be a graphic of a broken pipe on there too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and a cat eating Laura's dead frozen body. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Uh, we also got an email about Voyeur. Of course, that was another Netflix show that we watched. That was the one about a gay Talise uh, and that whole voyeuristic weird motel. Anna sent this email. We know that the Voyeur stories may not have all been true, but gay didn't know that until recently. I am just wondering, she says, why gay never alerted the authorities about what was happening, saving hundreds of people from humiliation and what you think about this from a journalistic perspective. Kevin, thoughts? Okay, one, why didn't he tell uh, people because he it's a great story he wanted it mm-hmm. uh, but does he have okay does, does he have a legal responsibility to report this um, I don't know about in that state in our state of New Hampshire no he doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't have a legal responsibility to report a crime if he's not the one who committed it except wasn't he also like in the crawl space looking at stuff with the dude like one time <laughs> I, I, I don't know I, I, <laughs> Um, but, uh, no, I, I, I mean, I think that if you were to sit down with, you know, the heads of most journalistic organizations, that they would tell you that while it may be distasteful, no journalist does not need to rush to the police. In fact, what he ended up doing is what he was supposed to do, which is report the story. Right. Now, if you think about other, invest- a great way to look at this, another way to sort of look at it is think about other investigations which exposed crimes, like- um, The jinx is the perfect example. The jinx. Or let's take it away from murder and all that stuff. Let's say like investigative reporters who go into places where animals are being abused uh-huh. and they get footage and then that footage comes out and that place gets shut down. Or an investigation, I think that NPR did a couple years ago about like um, working conditions and grain size silos, which sounds like, what is that? But like, it was so fascinating. They're able to show by going into these workplaces that like people were dying, getting like crushed in these grain silos. Mm -hmm. The only way to get that out there is to report it. If you like went there, found out the thing and went to the police, like the likelihood that anything would happen would be much less than if you report it and then the regulations get changed and then like things change. So that's kind of the, the standard. I think we're going to have a good discussion about investigative journalism later tonight. That's true. Toby, what are we going to say? Well, it, it also seems like in certain instances, don't you guys have, I don't mean you personally, but journalists in general, don't you have sources and stuff who are criminals, but you need to, you know, you can't just turn them in every time. Yeah, not frequently, but sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. I mean, people who are involved in any leak that has ever exposed anything, the mm-hmm. person is complicit very often in some way in the thing that they're exposing. So, yeah, I mean, that happens all the time. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, protecting your sources is a big deal. And then I think we're going to talk about that when we talk about Wormwood. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so Beth also wrote an email about Voyeur. She said, I believe it was Rebecca that stated something about gay to being a baby boomer. However, I am one and gay is not. He was born in the 30s, which makes him a member of the silent generation. Hmm. I guess he didn't get the memo. Very funny. Uh, Beth, you're right. I'm sorry. And sometimes I'm very rough on boomers. And it was unfounded in this case. I should have been rough on the silent generation. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, this ends the segment of love slash hate mail from this week. One more piece of business we really need to talk about. The finale of our favorite fake true crime podcast, done disappeared came out during the break and for listeners who may not have listened to it we are going to talk about it so 
listen to it quickly and then come back. It's only half an hour long. John David Booter solved (laughs) the case (laughs) of Clara Pockets. But before he did so, he did the ultimate drive test. He became Clara Pockets (laughs) to try and figure out what happened to her. Toby, what did you think of this innovative and really, really brave investigative technique that we heard John David Booter undergo? I I felt like I'd seen it before in the Pink Panther movies. (laughs) (laughs) But I I do think he took it to, you know, a whole whole different step by running into his his former girlfriend mm-hmm. uh-huh. it was farce but it was also tragedy yeah yeah and, and that's i guess what pulls on the heartstrings what do you think laura you are the resident nancy drew private investigator on our team what do you think of the technique he employed here in order to investigate what actually happened to clara pockets i think i'm gonna put that in my investigative tool book from here on out <laughs> so don't be surprised if i go undercover in the very near future Hmm. As like Kevin Flynn, perhaps I don't know. <laughs> oh my goodness! I love the description where he like bought the. It was like a sweater dress with a jumpsuit underneath, and he had to buy the thing and stretch it out in the door frame, uh, so it would fit him. Uh, and then put her earrings through his unpierced earlobes. Oh, that was. <laughs> Kevin, um, were you surprised that uh, John David Buda was actually able to solve the case of Clara Pockets? <laughs> Solve the case because <laughs> there was a press conference. If, yes, I can, can't remember if it was that episode or the penultimate episode where he's he said it's like it's not that that I haven't found Clara Pockets. It said we haven't found <laughs> Clara Pockets. <laughs> I just think from start to finish, this was very clever mm-hmm. and right. To- Toby's right. It's it's farce and it's it's sharp because it again it really sort of picks at. All of the things, including us, in, the, in a very a great way, uh, about the things that we like about uh, podcasts and about sort of the pitfalls of, you know, uh, re- what can sometimes be pedestrian investigations. Yeah. I really liked the press conference at which the sheriff, in fact, gave him credit for saving the town. <laughs> saved the whole town. Saving the case. Um, Laura Bricker, what do you think John David Butter should do next? Should he do a second season about the Clara case? Should he do a whole new story? Should he hang it up like Beverly Sills retiring from opera singing? What do you think? Oh, no. I think that the right story is going to come to John <laughs> David Booter. What that story may be, I'm not sure quite yet. But um, I think we're all going to be shocked and awed when we find out. I'm kind of hoping he does like I, a Kickstarter. I, I'd love for him to come back. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, I was really moved by that beautiful song about Clara Pockets that played at the end of the that podcast. Nice. Mm. I actually thought it was a good song. Not going to lie, I thought it was a good song. Um, it's on the iTunes charts right now. Um, Kevin, my question for you, is Clara Pockets inside of you? It, like like Tinkerbell? <laughs> if you just believe? <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure if Clara, 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 Clara. I, I think I think either goes in this either, podcast. At this point, yeah, I think Clara Pockets is not inside of me. But what is inside of me was that great meal I had from Hello Fresh. Oh, Hello Fresh is the meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers your favorite step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients, so you can just cook, eat. 
and enjoy. So with HelloFresh, all the ingredients are delivered right to your door in recyclable, insulated packaging, and it comes pre-measured, so you know which ingredients go into which recipe, because they're all labeled the right way. Exactly. Um, very accurate. Yeah, very accurate, right. So now, they have a wide variety of recipes that change every week, and different kind of plants. So they have the classic plan, which comes with a variety of you know, meat, fish, seasonal produce, but they also have the veggie plan. For our vegetarian friends and the our vegetarian friends, we, they're for our friends. You make it sound like they're for another planet, like our, our Vulcan friends. Our Vulcan I should friends. be. You know what? I, I'm considering being a vegetarian friend because I have eaten no vegetables in so long that it sounds appealing. <laughs> well, then you might like that. But you know what? You might actually like Laura is the family plan because mm. it's quick and easy meals that the whole family will love. And also, you can choose the delivery day that best works for your busy schedule. So if you know that on Mondays you out repairing your busted pipes and you won't be able there you know to pick that up and bring it inside so it doesn't freeze on tuesdays her husband's killing her so she can't because yes. the pipes freezing <laughs> the laundry surprise, machine. Right. right wednesday's the day you're gonna have the diesel fuel fire <laughs> thursday's the perfect day you pick it and look you know you won't spend all night in the kitchen because these recipes take only around 30 minutes and there's a lot of one pot recipes for the seriously speedy cooking and minimal cleanup crowd so each week there's a 20 minute meal on the classic menu where you, you really don't need more time than that so we love cooking with hello fresh we do the recipes are simple and i can follow those step-by-step cards because i didn't go to culinary and school. our teenagers love the male food as they call it the male food male it's always food the best <laughs> is great now for 30 dollars off your first week of hello fresh visit hellofresh.com and enter promo code crime, crime. 30 Crime 30 for crime $30 30. off your first week. Go to HelloFresh.com and enter promo code CRIME30. What else you got, Kevin? Well, our next advertiser sells bras, so Rebecca, you're going to read it. <laughs> oh, my. All right. When it comes to bra shopping, it's all about finding the right fit for you, Kevin. Not for me. And there's only one lingerie brand that offers bras in sizes double A through G and half cup sizes, and that is Third Love. Did you know that most old school bra brands carry only 15 sizes, Laura? Did you know that? I did, because I think Oprah was big on this a few years ago, yes. <laughs> well, Third Love has 60 sizes, including half cups. Had never heard of half cup sizes? Mm-hmm. That's because no one else makes them. Oh, I was going to want, I was asking that. Third Love so is knows. Is there like A and a half? Yes. B and a half? A point and a half? A plus. A plus? A, a minus? <laughs> To find the bra you've been waiting for, all you have to do is answer a few simple questions from Third Love's Fit Finder quiz. It takes just 60 seconds and you can do it all from the comfort of home. So you'll never have that awkward fitting room experience again. You know, where the woman's like, hi, can I get you more sizes? <laughs> no, I don't actually know. And you're like, I can't open the door because I'm literally trying on bras. I'll just throw them over the dressing room thing. It's it's a, it's a nightmare. And bras, Laura, you know, you go shopping for bras that come in those stupid little plastic hangers in the store. Mm-hmm. You can't put them back on. So you have to deal with real people. Not with Third Love. My Not with or third you don't love. try them on and then you get the wrong size exactly. after you've had children. And then you mm-hmm. get the fourth boob or you get the back boob <laughs> or the side boob. None of that will happen with third love. This year, make the change. It will change the way you think about bras. Go to thirdlove.com slash crime now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash crime. Thirdlove.com slash crime. Crime. How'd I do, Kevin? 
uh, I would have done better mansplaining bras, but <laughs> I think it was good to let you get the first crack at it. Thank you. All right, well, let's move on and talk about our review of the week. We're going to talk about a new podcast from the Kentucky Center for Investigative Reporting called The Pope's Long Con. In it, reporters track down inconsistencies in the backstory of Kentucky politician Danny Ray Johnson. Over the years, he's told people he was a chaplain to three presidents, a first responder at Ground Zero, and the Pope of his own church. The podcast also uncovers questions about the many crimes Johnson committed and allegedly committed and delves into why authorities didn't take more action. Now, in order to avoid spoilers, if you just want to hear our review of the Pope's Long Con, look at the show notes where I will put the correct timestamp this week. Oops. (laughs) You can fast forward to just the review part. Sorry, listeners. I inadvertently revealed to our uh, fast forward aheaders that died in Godless the last time I did it. Oh, God damn it. You just did it again. (laughs) (laughs) But this time I will put the correct timestamp in. um, So you can just go right to the part where we say thumbs up or thumbs down. Now, should we just like do the big spoiler right up front? I think we should. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot to talk about about this podcast. But I think the biggest thing to talk about is the fact that the podcast subject, Danny Ray Johnson, uh, shortly into the podcast, after what, two episodes or so, um... There's an announcement at the beginning of the third episode that he has committed suicide. And um, they just, I think the podcast was in the can and ready to go. So they just play the podcast yeah. as yeah. it was and make that announcement at the beginning of each episode. Kevin, how do you feel about how they handled that? Um, Man, what a difficult position to be in. You know, I, I think that it was probably best that they just um, released the rest of what they had. Yeah, all um, at once. All at once. Um, you know, if you're spreading it out week after week, I think that would probably look a little tasteless. Yeah. They've done their reporting. Uh, they, they can put it out. And, you know, you also could tell, like, they didn't retrack it. Yeah. Because there were a couple of lines that were just kind of like... Eh. Weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> not just, not like, just like, referring to him in the present tense. We're, like, we're going to try to reach out to him, see what he thinks about this. Yeah. You know, things. some of the things... <laughs> but uh, they left it intact, and, and, and they went on, and it just ends up sort of leaving other questions that don't have anything to do with the content of the podcast mm-hmm. for us to ponder about, you know, the responsibility that organizations may bear when this kind of thing happens and the point of continuing it if you know the the goal is to affect some positive change i think there was more about the story that was a, that was outside of him it was about mm-hmm. him but it was more than about him but institutions around him right yeah, okay. but my question now is laura do you think the way they handled it worked or do you think they should have changed some of the tracking in the actual show what do you think laura no, I think it worked. You know, I think they had to release it. I, I think if they hadn't released it, that would have been bad. I, I, you know, I think that they they had the story. They had done the research. Unfortunately, the way I looked at it was like nobody had ever called this guy out on his bullshit and his ridiculous stories until this, you know, really in such a way as they did in this podcast. And, you know, unfortunately, it seems like that, you know, he really didn't handle that well. I don't know if that was very diplomatic, but um, it, it's just, 
as journalists, you know, they knew that their story was accurate. They had devoted a lot of time and energy and research to speaking with people. They had, you know, done a lot of legwork. They had the product, you know, they had it done. And I think that the the statement that they made was, you know, very straightforward, didn't inflame the situation. I, you know, I'm sure there's people that were upset that they did release it because they're blaming them for his suicide. Mm. But at the same time, it, it's the facts. Yeah, it's funny because I actually have no problem with them releasing the story. And I'm sure there were other pressures that made it so that they didn't want to go back in and re-record, reproduce some of the stuff that was already in the can. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the Kentucky Center for Investigative Reporting, if they're like every other Center for Investigative Reporting, local Center for Investigative around the state is a tight, small organization with limited resources. I think that there were just times when, as a listener, you knew what had happened there were moments that you were taken out of what was a very interesting story because you knew what happened. Right. I may have handled it just slightly differently, even just by, you know, pausing the podcast at those moments in the show and saying, of course, you know, this is different now because we know, you know what I mean? There are, time, there are ways you could have done it without undoing and redoing your work. But um, let's just like talk about the actual subject of, of the podcast. Danny Ray Johnson, Toby, this is a really relevant, very, very timely story. And you wrote to me that you think the easy question is, how could people be so gullible as to be fooled? But there's a tougher question here, too, right? Yeah. And, and, and I think it's come up on our podcast in, I think, Dirty John is similar uh, in some ways. But it's like, why are people, why do people constantly believe what they want to believe despite what seems to be clear evidence or just common sense screaming at them that this has got to be complete BS. For somebody, for instance, who's in who's in his congregation, what would lead you to believe that he was at the LA riots, that he set up a morgue at Ground Zero mm. and like personally blessed everybody's remains as they went by him? Plus, he was, you know, he was the chaplain for both Bushes and Clinton. Plus, you know, I mean, it just goes on and on. And it's like, there's no way. I mean, that's just, it's got to be bullshit. So what would make you kind of go along with that? Mm. Because it happens again and again and again. And I think, uh, you know, I guess we'll talk about slow burn again in an upcoming week. But that's another, like one of their recent episodes comes out about people who are sticking with Nixon. And it it just seemed like evidence was, it didn't make any difference into how they saw him. Right. Um, I mean, and as we'll discuss in Slow Burn, people just say it doesn't matter what they say he did. What matters is what he'll do next. What matters is who he is. That's a tough, I mean, that's the question. And and I'm, um, I, I think that's that's a difficult question to answer. Right. Kevin, uh, was Danny Ray Johnson just a lying con man or was he a threat to the public interest? You, meaning that like he was worthy of an investigation? Yeah. I, I think it would be one thing if he were, well, I don't know. I, it, it was elevated because he was an, an elected official. Right. So whose responsibility is it to hold him to task? Is it journalist responsibility? Is it? Yeah. You, it ends up being the question, is it, is it the, the people around him, the citizens, people in his life who are supposed to call bullshit? Mm-hmm. Or is it is it journalists? And I think, again, when it comes to either you've committed a crime or you've run for office or both, mm-hmm. um, then definitely journalists should be involved in trying to suss that out right. and to put light you know, into those dark corners. 
you know, a guy who just, uh, you know, has like these stories over and over throughout his whole life, it, you know, it does, you know, one of the things I really didn't get is whether somebody answered the question about how much they believed of what he said. Right. Um, and how much they they thought like he believed of what he said. Right. Was he delusional? Uh, yeah. I mean, he obviously was, you know, was not telling the he truth. He's a liar. Right. But there's sort of like, does he know he's not telling the truth? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Look, we're a very smart audience. We can talk about subtleties here. So I'm gonna, I'm going to, you know, let's let's be subtle for a second. This was a gentleman who was not a hundred percent mentally healthy. We know that because of how he he died, but we also can see that in his life, the, in the way that he acted, and that he, with all of these, whether they be fanciful or whether they be part grifter, you know, these different stories that just don't make sense. He embraced that. And that's not something that somebody who's altogether there does. Right. He definitely had a lot of the hallmarks of like somebody with like a borderline personality disorder. Right. Right. Or narcissistic personality disorder or both. Yeah. I don't mean to speak ill of the dead. Listen, can we just, you know, let's just let that go. I mean, I I don't want to be insensitive. I I don't think any of Danny Ray Johnson's family members are listening to this podcast, but if they are, I'm sorry if this sounds insensitive. It's not speaking ill of the dead to say what the dead did. It's not. And this is something that I I actually, that bothered me about the disclaimer that they do in this podcast when they talk about his death and they say, we're so sorry to hear about this blah, 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 tragedy. It's like, I'm sure that they were sorry. Like, nobody wants someone to die. But, but at if the same it were not time, for the podcast, would he have killed himself? Well, I don't think they were I don't, blaming. I don't think so. He he wrote a suicide note kind of specifically targeted yeah, at the did. podcast. <laughs> yeah. He did, but so, it wasn't their fault. They just said no, but, what he but did. but it was worthy of mentioning. Right. Maybe you don't like the way they handled that, but they had to address it. But that goes back to what you're saying about narcissistic personality disorder. And it's something I've done a lot of research on. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing, you know, that a narcissist fears is being exposed right. for who mm. they really are. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're always giving off their version of how they want to be seen um, because of their low self-esteem. And so when they're exposed for who they really are, that's when they become dangerous. Right. And that's unfortunately that, you know, I think that's what happened. Yeah. And I, I think it's interesting because one of the big themes I think the thing the podcast was going to be about, and it ended up being about this, except that I think the suicide, what's interesting is I think that the podcast sounds different because of the suicide. Mm -hmm, What the podcast was going to be about, because they set it up at the beginning, was how do we stop people like this from getting elected? Like, liars. This guy is a liar. And we've gotten a couple of emails of people saying like, this is, this podcast is just full of allegations. Um, and I'm like, no, they actually did a lot of real reporting. And one of the reporters in this podcast, R.J. Dunlop, is a three-time Pulitzer Prize finalist. Like, he's a real investigative reporter. They interviewed 200 people mm-hmm. for this reporting. The other reporter in it, Jake Ryan, not of 16 Candles, but this other guy, <laughs> the reporter Jake Ryan, also uh, really great. They're, I'm sure he's good looking, though. They're saying what happened. They're not making allegations they're not they're actually saying what happened they're backing it up with police reports they're backing it up with interviews they're showing they're not you know asking us to draw conclusions but what i think they were trying to do here was like how does someone like this get elected because the interesting bits at the beginning are like them talking to the republican party people and the democratic party people and the candidate that opposed him people who already just months afterwards didn't seem to remember that this guy was like a throwing a complete like trash heap of a campaign 
and like just misremembering it and letting it go. And plus, they have a hundred plus uh, legislators in Kentucky. It's like very similar what we have in New Hampshire with our like four hundred plus person legislator plus twenty four senators. There are stories that come into my newsroom I know about like that one or two like crazy state reps, and we tend to say like, ah. Oh, we don't have time. We don't have time to cover that with that one guy said that bill that isn't going anywhere. That's about, you know, UFO, yeah. like aliens yeah. shouldn't be allowed to marry <laughs> Americans kind of thing. Like we don't have time. But that guy who's that. doing the porn stuff. Yes. Yeah. Like in Laconia or whatever. Yes. I mean, some of it does rise to that level. Yes. No, some of it does. We actually had a state rep who resigned today. Right. And, and in, the, <laughs> in, in, in the case of Johnson, and when we do have... You know, we have these allegations about what's going on in his church. And I do think, you know, one of the highlights of this podcast was the discussion with his victim. Right. Oh, you mean the sexual assault victim? The sexual assault victim. Laura, what did did you think about the reporting done there? Because they talked to this victim who did go to the police, so she had filed an official report. And there is a difference there, right, between putting somebody in your report who— you know, was just telling you something and then somebody who has also backed it up by filing the, the police report, right? Well, I think the thing that really struck me about this is that, you know, having covered sexual assault cases for newspapers, the victims are never named. Even when you're in court and you know the name, they are never named. And so it was very unusual that she wanted to be named. They used her name. But at the same time, it really shed a lot more light on kind of explaining this situation and, and putting it into um, a much uh, the context so that you could really understand what happened. Right. Because um, usually when you see these cases, you'll, you'll see like the indictment and it'll be like, so and so initial initial date of birth the victim known by the person, and you'll have no idea what the context is of the relationship. And in this situation, um, hearing it, it it had a ring of truth to it, the way that it was told, the way that the night unfolded, the way that this heavy drinking was going on. And, you know, but it also was a little disturbing the way that it was dropped and then brought back again um, in terms of it was very compelling listening um, that that part of the podcast what what do you think about that Toby the way that this podcast sort of makes a turn at that part is it episode four or so where it sort of becomes this story about a man in power Uh, we so far before this we hear he's an arsonist we hear he's a con man we hear he's liar and now we all of a sudden hear he's a sexual assaulter one of his daughter's friends a, a daughter of somebody who is part of his community who trusted him what do you think about the shift that it makes, where it takes this sort of, you know, Me Too turn? Yeah, I mean, that was something I thought a lot about, because it, in some ways it does seem like it's two stories that don't necessarily, you know, I think you could, I can think you can tell either one without the other, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, there's there's this sexual assault story, and then there's this weird story about this con man, and the fact that they both have the same guy in common seems strange. And it it does kind of bend the way the story goes. Cause again, it's like, how did this guy get elected? How does he get people to buy into his BS? You know, what motivates him? And then suddenly it's like, whoa, you know, he's, he's uh, molesting his daughter's best friend. It's weird. It's like a, it's like a different story. So I, I think it's almost like you have to have two discussions about mm-hmm. this because yep. it, it didn't feel completely integrated to me. And that's, you know, that's life. I mean, it's not like life is integrated, that everything, one thing follows another thing. I think that was one of the things that I liked a lot about the podcast is there is just like, I, I feel like you could talk about this for like three or four mm. 
of our episodes because it brings up so much stuff that you could kind of go in depth on, which we just we, we don't have enough time to do. You said a little while ago, Rebecca, that the, the sort of the thesis statement of the podcast was how did this guy get elected? Right. I, I think that it was way much broader than that. I think that they said that if that were if that were the, you know, the thesis, then the answer is it's all because of you voters, you know, whatever that handful that you did it. The, it was much more about how did this guy and all the institutions around him, why did all of those fail? Why was he able to skirt the law? And why, you know, why wasn't, you know, his flights of fancy, why weren't they vetted and caught by people or at the very least or caught, cared about by people cared about by people? Or why were there no consequences to those who might have suspected or discovered? And I think that we saw that most not in his election, but in the fact that the police, for whatever reason, seemed to not pursue uh, any further, you know, action regarding the sexual assault. It's the very point where the victim said that, that she claim. wasn't yeah. aware that the, you know, w- the most uh, minor charge was brought and then like never pursued. Right. Right. You know, against you know, she would have pushed for for more if she had known what was going on. I think that's the thing, and I think that they did a pretty good job of going into that. And you're left with the question, you know, like in every investigative report, why are you doing this? Why are you bringing this to light? Are you hoping to change something? Well, you can't change anything about Mr. Johnson because he's dead. Right. But can you change the way political parties are structured? No. In that one place in Kentucky? Maybe you can. Well, I think when they were doing the investigating, like they probably did think that exposing this guy. I mean, he committed suicide like after it dropped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not even the worst stuff. That came later. This was all sort yeah, of the he, vanity things that were exposed. He posted it. Do you want do you want to hear what he wrote in his I suicide do. note? Yeah, or? go ahead. Yeah. So he posted a suicide note on Facebook. He shot it and he shot himself on a bridge over the Salt River and I think it was after the first two episodes had dropped. He called the accusations false and told conservatives to quote take a stand. America will not survive this type of judge and jury fake news, he wrote. Hmm. Only three things I ask of you to do if you love me is one, blame no person. Satan is the accuser, so blame the devil himself. Two, forgive and love everyone, especially yourself. Three, most importantly, love God. So... I don't know the fake news thing. I feel like um, I don't know if I want to go down that rabbit hole, but um, I feel like that's a lot of that. That is definitely coming into play in this story because when you're asking how did this guy get elected after all this stuff, there's this distrust of the media that's right. going on right now in a lot of places. So it's like even if they had exposed all the things this guy had done or said that weren't true, people would be like, "Oh, that's bullshit." He's the right. he's the real deal or whatever, and they wouldn't care. But as as they kept pointing out on the podcast, everything he said was available on his website, on Facebook, on you know his church website. All of his horrible racist. He had videos. given interviews to papers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made all of these outrageous claims. He said he was a the guy who set up the morgue at nine yeah. eleven, and like the people who like historians are like, nope, didn't happen. He said he set up these safe zones in the L.A. riots, and like. A guy who was there setting up safe zones was like, nope, he didn't do that. And there were no such thing as the kind of safe zones he was talking about. Like, 
but it was all it was all available. It was all out there. And I thought they call him like a Forrest Gump. And, well, that th- he kept falling into yeah, these. But you know, I kind of think it raises the question too of like, is there just too much out there now in this like state of media where like you can post a million videos of yourself online, and there's a million things to read, and the news cycle is twenty four hours. That like. But in 1994, you could have gotten away with saying, I was at the L.A. riots. Sure. Or even in 2001, you could have said, I was there A lot of people did pretend that they were there. Yeah, but you can't get away with that now because right. because of social media and because of the ease of which it is to-, to You would think you could get away kid. with it. But we also just almost elected a senator in Alabama- who had a ton of stuff that was out there and available and reported on and was still almost elected anyway. But if he did that right now, right. or you try to claim that right now, you think it would have made within, a difference? Within the do you bubble. think it would have made a difference in this election? Seriously, do you think it would have made what, a difference? In this Kentucky election? I think the whole point was that it wouldn't have made a difference and it didn't make a difference. I don't think it's about the election. I think it's about the institutions around it. I think while the evidence is there, it doesn't make a, a, a hell of a difference. Right. Don't you think that's Quite kind of honestly, the point? Again, it goes back to the first question. It's like, if you can go online and somebody says, I never said that, and then you can go and see where that person said that like two months ago, and you decide that that doesn't matter. Right. And I think, that, I think that's where we are. Right. You know, I think that's, it kind of goes again and again. I mean, they talk about, I don't want to get all into the politics and stuff, but they, they you know, they talk about tribalism and that you, you support people who, you feel believe the way that you do mm-hmm. and are willing to overlook personal failures on their part because you don't want a person who doesn't believe the way you do to have that power. Right. And I, I think that's kind of at at this point, you know, there's there's just so much evidence of anybody who says anything who's running for anything of consequence now, you can always find stuff and if they contradict themselves it's easy to find evidence right i don't think people care i don't think they do now either but i also think i don't think this is new and this is another reason why i want to come back to the podcast slow burn and discuss it a little bit next week because that podcast is showing that this is not new in some interest in some really interesting ways that I, i find you know relevant cool and it's also just a beautifully told story so well, this guy, um, he's no longer with us. The podcast, though, is, and our listeners have the choice whether or not to check it out. The Pope's Long Con. It's not a super long podcast. Kevin, you and I listened to the whole thing on a day trip there and back. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go around the horn right now and ask this panel, do you recommend to our listeners that they check out the Pope's Long Con, the podcast from the Kentucky Center for Investigative Reporting? Laura Bricker, I'm going to start with you. I do. You know, like you said, it's short. It doesn't take a lot of time to listen to. It's it's an interesting story. It's it's really, for me, I, I always love, and I've said this before, these stories of people who are leading like the double life or, you know, that are exposed for something like this. And this one had some pretty fantastical claims that he made about things he did that were very interesting. But it's also an important story in this time that we're in. Um, so I, I would recommend it. Toby, what about you? Do you recommend to our listeners that check out the Pope's Long Con? Yeah, well, I listened to it the first time I listened to it was, you know, right after it, it first came out, a bunch of people recommended it and I checked it out and I really liked it. And, you know, I used to, when I, when I worked in DC, I worked in this, like my first job was at a newspaper clipping service basically. And so we get all these newspapers from all over the country and the Louisville Courier Journal, which I assume 
has some connection. Louisville Public Media is the co. Yeah, Louisville, Louisville Public, Public Media. Media. Yeah. Yep. So, I, so I assume there's there's some because uh, the Courier Journal was a really really good newspaper, a really good local political coverage. So it was kind of cool, like sort of getting a taste of that again. But then it had been so long since I listened to it that I listened to it again, and I still thought it was really good. So thumbs up. I give it a thumbs up, too. And one of the things that I like about it is it doesn't do that thing that I think is very tempting to do in a story like this uh, when it's told a little bit from the outside where it's sort of like, look at these dumb assholes. Look what they did. Why did they do that? And it becomes like a tisk tisk you know, to the people who voted kind of thing. I I really don't like it when stories are told that way. There's a good reason why most people vote the way they do, because they have feelings, because they're real people with experiences. This story takes it from a different angle. It looks at the man and deconstructs him and shows exactly kind of like what is in his past, what he said, shows proof that it's not true. Uh, Does this really interesting deconstruction. It never once sort of says... Why did these idiots vote for this guy? They don't take that approach. And I really appreciate that. It's respectful. It's well-reported. And it's sometimes, like, shocking uh, in a way that I really enjoyed. What about you, Kevin? Yeah, I'm also a thumbs up um, for many of those same reasons. I think it was a good investigation. It is hard to sort of separate the the um, you know the knowledge of uh, Johnson's suicide and how that you know, affected. I wish he hadn't committed not, suicide. Not 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 just because I wish he hadn't committed suicide. Obviously, I wish, but it would have been so good for the story in some ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 But you know, sometimes we've seen that in other podcasts where you know other outside sort of forces in real time sort of happen, and it changes. Happens you, in reporting. It yeah. happens in reporting. But you know, if you can put that aside and listen to it, I think it's a solid report, and it does raise questions about uh, how how did this happen? How did somebody were they able to pull the wool over so many people's eyes for so long. And, you know, it's about, you know, how do we appeal to the the better angels of ourselves? How do we get better yep. ourselves? You know, because you can get better by listening to many of the audiobooks at Audible. <laughs> Whether you want to feel healthier or get motivated or learn something new, Audible has an unmatched selection of audiobooks with original audio shows, news, comedy, and more. Audible has all the audio content you need to start your year on the right foot. Yep. You know, so if you're looking for things like, here's like some of the things that I will be listening to on Audible, you know, uh, that are like, you know, good New Year's resolution things, you know, to like help me with my fiscal issues. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad Mm -hmm. is the title. Uh, To be a little more successful, the four-hour work week. Yep. Because who wouldn't want to have that? And uh, to be inspired, the power of habit. Yep. So whether it's on your phone, through your car, from your tablet, or at home on an Amazon Echo. Yep. And walking around listening to I listen to, to Audible all the time. I listen to it on, on our home speakers. I listen to it in my headphones. I listen to it in the car. I listen to it at work. I listen to it all the time, as you, you know. Yeah, you get tons of- I listen to 65 hours of Audible last month. We just saw it in the little chart in the app. <laughs> Yikes. There was a chart. Holy, that's like a job for yep, you. It's a job. It's a whole wow. other job. Making podcasts, going to my day job, and listening to Audible. Those are my three jobs. <laughs> Wow. Man, Audible. I love it. I love it. Yeah, so you can, everyone can start their 30-day trial and get their first audiobook for free. Nice. Rebecca's first audiobook was about 700 ago. <laughs> Pretty much. But she got that one for free, and so could you. You can go to audible.com slash crime, or you can text the word crime to 500-500. You're kidding. That's so cool. Yeah, that's audible.com slash crime, or text crime to 
500, 500. I hate, cool. I hate like when the ones are like, five, yeah, but who's going to remember that? Just crime. Crime. 500, 500, 500. Very good. You get a 30-day trial, and the first book is free. You can do it with audiobooks from Audible. Audible. What else you got, Kevin? Well, I want to tell you about a new sponsor we have. It's FabFitFun. Ooh, that cool box. Yeah. I know all about it. They are a seasonal subscription box for busy women to discover new brands and products for a life well-lived. And they will give you full size, not those little sample size, not those little crappy, you know, here, you could take this on an airplane size things, but full size fashion, beauty, home, fitness, and wellness products. So you get it four times a year for just $49.99, but there are also editor's boxes that are available for purchase in between seasonal boxes when they have, like, newly discovered items. Right. Laura, I know that you got a Fab Fit Fun box and that you loved it, right? I did, and I am actually sitting here right now in this cold New England winter wearing the poncho that's <laughs> super take that soft from them, that came Laura. in my box. It's so nice and warm. I finally confiscated it back from other members of my family who kept wearing it, um, including cats and dogs and other mm-hmm. animals in the house. So it's great. And there was all sorts of really cool things in there. I have a really nice new giant coffee mug, which is helpful in the winter when I don't want to get up. And some really nice, it was like a coconut hair mask. So things are all kind of fun, especially when it was cold and yucky outside to get this nice box with, you know, all sorts of little tidbits hidden in there. Man, you guys, that sounds cozy it's AF. skincare products, it was really cozy. Winter box was yeah. great. Yeah, now if you haven't signed up yet, it's not too late. You can use the code CRIME to get $10 off your first box. Use promo code CRIME, CRIME. for $10 off the editor's box as well. That's $39.99, and it's over a $200 value. Wow. So go to fabfitfun.com to subscribe and use our code Crime. Crime. Try FabFitFun today. Go to FabFitFun.com to su- subscribe and start getting the box for a life well lived. Use promo code CRIME to get $10 off your first box. That's products valued at $200 for only $39.99. Again, go to <laughs> Again, go to FabFitFun.com and use our code CRIME to get $10 off your first Fab Fit Fun Box. Now it's time to move on to my favorite part of this podcast, a little something I like to call the crime Crime of of the the week. week. How can you tell if your loved one is a psychopath? Do they pull the heads off of dolls? Do they torture children or kill animals? Do they spend days on end sharpening knives? Nope. That's not the way to determine whether someone is a psychopath. Scientists are drawing a straight line between taste buds and psychopathy. Uh. According to research done in, where else, Australia, (laughs) test subjects were given a variety of foods and then given a personality test. Those that liked bitter tasting foods like dark chocolate, coffee, mm, and gin and tonics, I'm getting scared, had malevolent personality traits. I'm the one who should be scared. Though the researchers provided no rationale for these findings, they did seem pretty confident that the test of just a thousand people holds true. So watch out for your friends who enjoy Bombay Sapphire mixed with Schweppes and a lime. So here's my question for you, panel. Laura Bricker, do you enjoy a gin and tonic? Do you? 
Do you? Not anymore. And so, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say, it's, it's gone down in infamy. That was what I decided to drink when I turned 21. Mm. Oh. And I never again have drank a gin and tonic. Right. So, or um, killed so somebody. You know what? Or kill somebody. So I could have been a psychopath, but thankfully I was saved. Yeah. So basically gin and tonic for you is peach schnapps for me is what I'm hearing. <laughs> Toby Ball, uh, do you enjoy gin and tonic? Do you? Do I? Uh, yeah. Gin and tonics and coffee is basically all I drink. <laughs> Same. Gin and tonic, coffee, dark chocolate. He's like Winston Churchill. I am 100% a psychopath, Kevin. How do you feel about that? Kevin yeah. Flynn, what about you? Do you enjoy a good gin and tonic? Do you? Uh, <laughs> it's like an accusatory, do you? Do you? Do you? Have do you, you or have you not enjoyed gin and tonics? I'm no, going to enjoy one as soon as we finish taping this podcast. Yeah, I understand I make a pretty good gin and tonic. You do. It's not my favorite. I like things that are sweet and have double entendres. That's why I drink screwdrivers. <laughs> and long, slow screws. Is your other favorite drink? Yeah, long, slow. Uh, slow, comfortable screws. Slow, comfortable yeah, screws. Exactly. Yeah, no, I love me a good gin and tonic. We should probably end it on that note, but before we do, Laura Bricker, is there a cat of the week this week? Yes. So one of our most loyal Twitter followers, Vintage Wingnut, I have no idea who this person really is. They have Beaker as their Beaker, who was once my son's imaginary friend. Poor Vintage Wingnut, her sweet little, or his, I'm not really sure if it's a guy or a girl, her cat was diagnosed with feline leukemia on Christmas Day. Aww. She was the sweetest, coolest cat on the block, and I'm convinced she's now hanging with Stampy in Kitty Heaven, wreaking havoc with the squirrels and mice. Aww. And she's a very, yeah, she's a very nice calico kitty. Um, so Stampy has a little girlfriend cat in Kitty Heaven now, so there you go. I, I feel sad. That's, that's an awful thing on Christmas Day. Very sad. It so, sounds like um, one of those Hallmark Christmas movies, but about cats. It sounds like the one I watched on Christmas. Oh, <laughs> no. just kidding. I don't want to confess to that. <laughs> Laura Bricker, if listeners want to tweet to you about their uh, cat or pet or lizard or chinchilla of the week, how can they find you on Twitter? At Laura Bricker. And Toby Ball, if listeners want to tweet to you to encourage you to drink more than just gin and tonics, coffee, and as I know, you, like me, also enjoy a good Moscow mule, how can they find you online? That was actually my question, is if there was a, some kind of correlation between Moscow mules and anything. <laughs> Hard labor. Double psychopathy. Hard labor, there we go. Um, <laughs> if you know the answer, you can tweet it to me at, at TobyBallNH. And Kevin Flynn, if our listeners want to reach you online, how can they find you on the Twitters? Uh, they can find me sipping drinks that have umbrellas in them, at Kevin P. Flynn. <laughs> you love the girl drinks. You I, love them. I does. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Reb Lavoy. You can also check out my show HGTV and me. Please subscribe. It's super fun. You can also tweet to our show at Crime Writers On and join the fine folks on the official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group or leave a comment on our regular old Facebook page. Go to our website, sign up for our newsletter, buy some swag at crimewriterson.com and get exclusive content at stitcherpremium.com slash crime. If you love the show, tell a friend, leave a review, do all that stuff. Line production by the very handsome Henry Lavoie. Our theme song was performed by Rocksteady Freddie and the New York Ska Jazz Ensemble. This show was recorded in the currently unnamed studio. We'll talk about that next week. Formerly known as Studio C, the closet in our basement where all of the exercise equipment from last New Year's resolutions is stored. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. Thanks, Toby. Thanks for coming through for me there. <laughs> Because Kevin just walked out. <laughs> he walked out because he has to catch the second half of SVU. So I appreciate oh it. Goodness. Yeah. 
Can you turn down your gain, please? I like his oh god to me like it's my fault that he needs to turn down his gain. Well, you know, last time it was turn up your gain. This time it's turn down your gain. He's so beleaguered. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, I, I expect a certain level of professionalism. That's good. <laughs> and we expect the same. Yeah, all right. <laughs> okay, here we go. With three mattress models, the original Casper, the Wave, and the Essential, Casper mattresses are perfectly designed to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. Not to mention the breathable design helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night. And it's delivered right to your door in a small, how do they do that, size box with free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. But the best part is that you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. After all, you spend one-third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable. We gave our kids a Casper mattress, and we are so jealous. Regretfully jealous. Start (laughs) sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper. Get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash crime Crime. and using crime at checkout. That's casper.com slash crime. Offer code crime for $50 off your mattress purchase. Terms and conditions apply. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.